0: Thanks for checking out the Southcrest Church Podcast. We are one church meeting in two locations in South Atlanta. You can find us online at southcrest.tv. Now let's hear a word from God today. Hey, I want to welcome both of our campuses here. If you're here worshiping with us at Noonan or worshiping in LaGrange, I want to say welcome to you. Thank you for joining us today on this, uh, this part in our series on Repurposed. And I don't know, I watch that video every time, and I ask the same question about my life, right? Am I there yet? And if you're like me, I am not a truly patient person. Do we have any impatient people here in the room? That's right. We have a lot of impatient people, both of our campuses today. Uh, there's something about our lives that we know God wants to repurpose us, but let's be really honest. We constantly ask the question, am I there yet? When am I going to get there? Okay, so let me tell you, last week I had the privilege of uh, traveling to the country of Israel. I was there about six, seven days. And uh, as we got on the plane in JFK to leave to fly for 10 hours from JFK to Tel Aviv, uh, the the announcer comes on the the pilot and he says, listen, uh, we're going to just fly right over. You know, they make it sound really easy. We're just going to fly right over for the next 10 hours. We're going to be on the plane and we will land in Tel Aviv. And nobody does nothing. In fact, the moment they said, we're gonna be on this flight for about 10 hours, the whole plane just gasped. (gasps) But when we landed, he says, hey, welcome to Tel Aviv. Everyone's like going, woo! Why? Because the truth of it is, just like in flying, every one of us, we want to what? We wanna get there. We wanna arrive. Whatever God has destined for our life, We just want to get there. We don't always appreciate or love the journey of how we get there, right? But there were people applauding on the plane and they were going crazy. And I thought, wow, how crazy is it that when you really look at our lives, we are on this journey. And the journey that we're on typically takes us in places we never thought we would go. And even when we think we have arrived, we're still not there yet. We may think, hey man, I've I've gotten there. Like some people think you get there when you get to a certain age, right? Like I remember when I was like twenty-five, someone said to me, Hey, when you're 35, you will feel like you're there. (laughs) And if you're in this room or at Lagrange and you're thinking, I'm 35 and I don't feel like I'm there, okay? So like I want to tell you, I'm forty-five years of age and I do not feel like I am there yet. Can I get an Amen? You say, Sean, you are far from there, bro. Like, I pray for you. Okay, we all feel that way because the journey is part of it, right? We are on this journey, and the thing about our journey is the journey that we're on, we all have a story that we tell about the journey, right? And we all have a picture from our past of the journey that we've been on. But when it comes to repurposing, here's the thing we need to realize. God uses the journey we're on to prepare us so that he can repurpose us. Now, we don't like that part because the preparation part is the part that nobody loves. I mean, preparation's not sexy, right? I mean, everyone wants to play on the big stage. They just don't want the preparation. So I thought about this in my life. Many times I've come to God and said, God, I really wish you would promote me before you would prepare me. Have y'all ever prayed that before, been that honest with God? God, I want you to do this in my life before I know I'm ready for it. And yet God's up there going, no, 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 you don't understand. I do not promote you before I prepare you. In fact, there's a business term. It's called the process precedes the what? The product. If you're going to have an amazing product in business, we all know that the process precedes the product. The same is true in our lives. The journey that we are on, God is preparing us so that he can repurpose us. But I don't know about you, there's this one picture I have in my mind about sometimes when I feel stuck in my life, and I feel like my life is just not there yet, and it looks like this because we see it on our devices a lot. Yeah, what does this mean? Still loading, (laughs) right? Still loading. In fact, most of us, when we see this on the computer, it's when we say a cuss word, right? It's like, "Mm -hmm." And, and this is how we feel many times on the journey that we're on. We feel like maybe we're just still loading. And sometimes we feel stuck because we see this and we're like, man, when am I going to get there? When am I going to finally arrive? Let me tell you something. In our faith journey with God, it's not about where we start with God But it's about where we allow God to take us and what we allow God to teach us that will repurpose us. See, some of us, we've started a journey with God, we've started in a relationship with God, and we feel stuck because we're not willing to let God take us on a journey and let him really take us somewhere to teach us something that we can't find stuck right here. It's crazy when you think about it. I started thinking about this way. The very place where God has you is where he wants to prepare you so that one day he can promote you. So think about where you are in your journey. Think about where you are in your life. Some of you go, Sean, I am 35 years of age and I am far away from what I know God wants for my life. Listen, the story's not over. God's still loading. God's still writing your story. In fact, if you have a breath in your body, God is still writing your story. But I want you to know this. The very place that God has you is where he wants to prepare you so that one day he can promote you. So if you're like me, sometimes I get discouraged in that journey. I'm like, okay, God, I know I'm not there yet. I know I'm still loading But obviously, all these people I read in the Bible, they seem to have arrived, right? Because they did these massive big things for you, and it just seemed like their faith journey was so much easier than mine. Until I looked at a guy in the Bible, his name was Moses. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, I want to give you the story that helps you understand Moses' journey before this moment that we find him in scripture. You see, Joseph had died, and God was still blessing the people of Israel. In fact, he was expanding them. He was giving them greater influence, and they were growing in size and in numbers, but, but the, the Egypt had a new king. His name was Pharaoh, and Pharaoh got worried because the Israelites were growing so big, and they were getting more and more influential. What do you do when you try to stop someone? You oppress them. So the Bible says that he began to oppress the Israelites and began to draw them into slavery. And so Pharaoh's out here and he's bringing them into slavery and he gets so worried that he goes and he tells the midwives, he said, listen, when the Hebrew women start to go into labor, I want you to go kill the babies because we can't have any more Israelites. But the Hebrew women feared God. And the Bible says that they feared God so much that they went and told uh, Pharaoh a little bit of a lie. They said, Pharaoh, we can't stop these women. Like, they got some crazy pregnancy issues going on, and before we can even get there to kill the baby, they're having their children. And so, what does Pharaoh do? He says, Well, I'll tell you what. Here's what I want you to do. Let the baby be born, and then when the baby is born, I want you to throw it in the Nile River. Just throw it out. All the Hebrew boys, if they're born, I want you to throw them into the Nile. The Bible tells us that there was a Levite man and a Levite woman. They got married, and even though they knew the edict that Pharaoh had thrown down, they chose to have a child. They had a boy. They hid him for three months, because they knew that if the Pharaoh or the, the midwives found him, that he would be thrown and he would be killed. And after three months, they couldn't hide him anymore, so they put him in a basket, and they pretty much said, God will be with you. And they sent him away down the Nile River. And the crazy thing is, at the very moment that they did that, Pharaoh's daughter decides she's going to come down and take a bath, and she brings all of her maidservants with her, and they find this baby in this basket floating down the river. And they bring him in, and they say, hey, listen, uh, we found this baby, and and Pharaoh's daughter says, well, he's got to have a mom, and so go find his mom. They go start asking the Hebrews, and they find out that it's Moses' mom. And they bring her, and they said, hey, listen, we want you to nurse the baby until the baby's weaned, and when the baby's done being weaned, Pharaoh wants to adopt your son. Pharaoh's daughter wants to adopt your son. And so she adopts him, and she begins to raise him in the palace, Now get this, from Moses being born and being put in a river to a palace. I mean, some of you think, man, I got a jacked up journey. I've had some crazy things happen to me. Oh, it gets better. He was raised in a palace, but he soon realizes that he's not really Egyptian, that he's really a Hebrew, And he starts seeing the oppression that the Egyptians are having on the Hebrew people. And he walks up on a guy who's getting beat to death by an Egyptian who's a Hebrew. And he says, I can't take no more. And so he just turns around and kills an Egyptian. So not only is he struggling with his own identity, who am I? But now he's a murderer. Pharaoh finds out about it, wants to kill him. So he does what we would do. He ran. He went to a place far, far away called Midian. And for the next 40 years, he stays there tending sheep. In fact, he meets a guy named Jethro, falls in love with his daughter, marries his daughter, has a kid, and for 40 years, he goes from being living in the palace, floating in the Nile, a murderer, and then suddenly he's in this place where he wonders, does God even know my name? Think about his journey The Bible says after 40 years in Midian, he was out tending the sheep one day and he looks over and he sees a bush that's burning. And he realizes there's something different about this bush. And he goes over to it and he has an encounter with God that forever changes his life. So I want to make this statement to you today. We all have burning bush moments in our life. We will all come to an intersection in our life where God wants to do something in us to repurpose us. Because at this point, Moses is 80 years of of age. He probably thought, dude, I am so ready for AARP, I can't stand it, right? I'm done. But we all will face burning bush moments in our life. Here's what I call them. I call them a crisis of belief. It's the intersection between what we know God wants us to do and what we're willing to do. In fact, in my life, when I face a crisis of belief, here's what I realize. It really begins to draw out the difference between what I think God can't do in my life and what I won't let God do in my life. But here's what I know. When I come to this place, it's like a place where that one decision can literally change my whole destiny. I remember as a 17-year-old boy, Kneeling beside of my bed and asking Jesus to come into my life and not even growing up in a Christian home. And and I thought this one decision is my crisis of belief. I'm either going to trust that Jesus is who he is and he wants to change my life or I'm not. But I want to tell you in those moments of crisis of belief, that's when God shapes our destiny. That's when we become something or someone we never thought we could become. I want to show you this moment in his life. Look at chapter 3 verse 10. He has this burning bush experience and listen to what happens. So now go. This is God talking to Moses. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said to him, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. I mean, isn't it crazy? God calls to Moses, and here's basically what he says to him. Moses, I want to repurpose your life. I know you felt stuck. I know you felt confused. I know you felt convicted because you're a murderer. Like, I get all that stuff. I get your past. But here's what God teaches us in that moment. God wants to repurpose us so that he can use us in new ways. If you believe that, raise your hand. I do. I believe God wants to repurpose our lives because he wants to use us in a new way. And that's what God was trying to say to Moses in this moment. He said, Moses, I know your past. I know all the stuff you're going through. I know where you've been. But I wanna give you some proof, Moses. That I can redeem your past, reclaim your present, and repurpose your future. Moses, I want to use you in a new way. The only problem is Moses had all of these past issues, right? Raised in the palace. Killed a guy. Forty years in seclusion, tending sheep. So there was probably a part of him that he just wondered, God, can you even do anything with me? And I want to be real honest. There's some of you today, you feel the exact same way. You are so focused on what has happened to you in your life, you can't see God wants to use you in new ways. But just like Moses, what he learned is God was using every single stop in his journey to prepare him so that eventually he could repurpose him. So eventually. So God says to him, he says, Moses, I'm the one who's calling you. But what does Moses do? Moses says, God... Who am I? Who am I? So so here's what I learned about this. See, our excuses will always stand in the way of God doing the miraculous in our lives. How many of you think Moses didn't know who he was? (laughs) Here's the problem. Moses lost sight of who God was. And Moses began to think, God is not greater than me. Because later on in the chapter, God pretty much says, hey, when you go out, you tell him I am has sent you. Like, I don't even need to tell you my whole name. You just need to know I am the self-existent one. I can do anything because I am God. But he's stuck in this place because he's allowed his excuse to always stand in the way of God doing the miraculous, and we do the same thing. I want to tell you a really true statement today. God wants to use you to do amazing things that will change this world. But I also want to tell you My excuses and your excuses will always stand in the way of God doing the miraculous. I've been to places in this world where I've seen God do amazing things through people who were much less educated than us, who had smaller financial resources than us, who had less formal training than us, because the truth is our excuses always stand in the way of the miraculous. And when God calls us, he equips us, he empowers us, and listen to this, He qualifies us. I like what Henry Blackaby says. He says it this way. He says, God never calls the qualified. He qualifies the called. So some of you out here, and you know God's called you to do something great with your life, but your excuse keeps rising up. Like, who am I in all this? (laughs) And God says, I didn't call you because you were qualified. I didn't call you because you were the hippest, the coolest. Like some of you, you would really love to work with teenagers. You're like, man, I would love to come on Wednesday nights and, and serve. I would love to lead a middle school life group in the city of LaGrange. I would love to be involved. But here's what you say Who am I? I've lost half my hair and I can't even fit in skinny jeans. <laughs> Who am I? God can't use me. I'm 65. Those teenagers won't listen to me. <laughs> Our excuses are no different than Moses. I can't work with children. I have no patience. Like the moment one of them poops in their diaper, I'm gonna freak out. God knows that. He didn't ask you who you were. He asked you, do you know who he is? Because here's the truth. God never calls the qualified. He qualifies the called. And so some of our excuses need to end because the truth is God said, hey, Moses, I wanna use you. And the truth is he wants to use us too. And then God says this in verse 12. He says, and Moses, I'm gonna be with you it's I who called you. Moses, you got to get rid of your excuses. And then he says, he says, I will be with you. See, here's the cool thing. When God calls you and he says he'll be with you, here's the promise that you and I can claim. If God has called you to it, he is committed to seeing you through it. I believe that. I mean, I really do believe, like I remember going home and telling my parents like three months after I gave my life to Christ, God's called me to preach. God's called me to the ministry. And in the back of my mind, there was like this list of hows, like how's this gonna happen? How's this gonna work? How? And, and listen, our hows get in the way, but the truth is if God has called you to it, listen, he is committed to seeing you through it. He's way more committed to your faith journey than you think he is. And just like Moses, he said, Moses, I want you to go. And he says, I will be with you. Let me ask you, how did God prepare Moses in this moment? And how does God prepare us? I mean, it's funny, when you read this story, I really think it comes down to a question that Moses had to answer and then one action that Moses had to take. And I think we have to answer the same question that Moses did, and then we have to be willing to take the same action that Moses did because God wants to repurpose our life. He wants to repurpose our life. You see, there will always be tension in our life between what God wants to do and what our part is. I meet people all the time. They say, I know God's called me to do this, but God hasn't done it yet. But I wanna tell you, if there's 100 steps between what God wants you to do, God may take 98 of those steps, but he may leave two for you. Here's what I know. Faith always requires movement on our part. It is always kinetic, it is never static. It requires faith. And faith requires movement on our part, always. Always, I hear people say, man, I want God to do amazing things in my life. Okay, well, step out. Where are you moving in your faith? Faith is never static. So two weeks ago or a week ago, I had the opportunity to go to Israel, and before I left, uh people were sending me emails and calls and texts, and they were saying, Hey Sean, uh, man, please be safe. Like, I know you're going where where things are, are really unrestful and, and there's a lot of weird things and and, and there's terrorists and uh and we, we know you're gonna go and probably get your head chopped off. Um uh, but, And I was just shocked. There wasn't many people texting me saying, man, I'm praying God explodes your faith. Everyone's texting me going, be safe, be safe, be safe. And I got over there and God did an amazing work in my life. And here's what he taught me. Faith is not safe. And safe is not faith. Wherever God calls you to go in your life, and it requires one movement of faith, it doesn't mean it has to be safe. In fact, I want to be real straight up honest with us today. We have lived too long in America in safety. I think that the reason that God is moving all over the world in people's lives is because they pushed away the safe button and they've embraced the faith button. Like, God, I want to see you do something radical in me, through me. And so faith is not safe, and safe is not faith. Faith always requires movement on our part. Look at what happened to Moses. Chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it to the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. I just think that's hilarious. Okay? Like, how many of you love snakes? Like, you love to handle snakes? Okay, you're weird. Okay? Like, weird. Like, you probably sniff glue, too. Okay? But but he tells, he tells, some of you go, I sniff glue. Okay? He tells him, he says, hey, take that staff you have and I want you to throw it on the ground and it becomes a snake. And then he tells him to do something. He says, he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Now listen, I don't handle snakes a lot. I know some people think at South Crest we are snake handling church. That's not us, okay? But I do wanna tell you this. In this moment, he is reaching down and here's what God says. I want to blow your faith up, Moses, because we all know the one thing you don't do with a snake is pick it up by its what? Its tail. You pick it up by the head, So here's what God was saying to Moses. Moses, I want you to face your greatest fear because I'm about to take away every excuse you have of why I can't repurpose you and I can't use you to do something great for me. So go back. He says, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Look what he says next. So Moses reached out his hand, he took its snake and turned it back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. See, I really do think there was one question in this verse that Moses had to answer and there was one action that Moses had to take. This is just a stick. It's not Moses' stick. He probably was a lot longer and had a, a crook on it, right? He was a shepherd. But this is probably the stick that Moses would have walked out and would have shepherded sheep with. I can only imagine there would have been a sheep that would have literally tried to run away from the fold. And like Moses would have probably gone into a batter stance. <laughs> Wham! Okay? <laughs> And maybe Moses had this stick and and maybe he saw a snake at one point and he had to beat it on the ground, right? Wham, kill that snake, Jesus' name, all right? Listen, snakes only come out in gardens and bad things happen, okay? So here's this thing, It's like, he's holding this and I even thought how common it was for him because God looks at him, God looks at him in this moment and he says this statement to him. He says, what is in your hand? Hey, Moses, what is in your hand? Hey, I want to ask you today. I want to ask you, LaGrange, what is in your hand? Now, God knew what was in his hand, right? It was just a staff. And and probably Moses thought the same thing we would have thought. It was so common. How could God use this little stick to do something miraculous? But here's what I want you to understand. God wants to take what we already possess and repurpose it so that he can empower it. Moses, what's in your hand? Listen, some of us have gifts, abilities, talents that we're not using for the kingdom of God. I mean, how sad is it that we would give our best away to Wall Street and not give our best away to Jesus, amen? God wants more than that. And so in this thought, like there are things that are in our hands and our possession and God literally says, I want you to understand what you possess because I want to take it, repurpose it and I want to empower it. And I have to think that Moses looked there and said, it's just my stick, God. Like I've cleared poop off of trails with this, God. You want to do something great with this? And we do the same thing in our own lives. We always think we need something else, someone else, but the very thing that God has already given us is the very thing that he wants to do the miraculous with. I want to ask you today, what's in your hand? What is it? God wants you to know what's in your hand because part of the repurposing he wants to do in your life is to show you what you already possess that he wants to repurpose so that he can See, here's what happens. God can take the common and use it to do the supernatural. Some of you, you're that story. You feel so common. You feel so unworthy. I mean, I I didn't grow up thinking all my life, this is what I would do. But the truth is, God can take the common and he can do the supernatural. But we got to realize, what is it that's in our hand that God could take to change the world? So that's the question he had to answer. But you know the action that he needed to take? Because the Bible says once he realized what was in his hand, in fact, in chapter 3, verse 17, God says, I'm going to send you out and don't you go anywhere without that stick. (laughs) But then something amazing happened because here's what he did he began to stretch out his hand. Everywhere Moses went, in fact, if you look in the scriptures from chapter 4 all the way till chapter 14, where he parted the Red Sea 10 different times, God said, Take what's in your hand, and here's what he said stretch out your hand. Stretch it out. I mean, think of everything that God has given us in our life that we hold back. And yet, God could have done every one of these miracles without Moses, He didn't need Moses. He could have parted the Red Sea. He could have brought the frogs. He could have had the locusts. He could have brought the blood in. I mean, he could have done all that stuff. And yet, 10 different times, every time God did something miraculous, it involved Moses stretching out his hands. Moses, stretch out your hands. You know the crazy thing? God designed us this way. When you stretch out your hands, all of the blood runs to where? Your heart. Some of us, man, we struggle with a cold heart. We're like, man, I want God to do something great, but my heart's just not there. Well, why don't you start stretching out your hands? Because God wants to do something great with you and with us. God left us here to change the world. And he wants to repurpose us and give us a new use. So Moses had to answer the question, what's in my hand? And then he had to have the faith to say, God, I'm willing to take whatever you've given me and I'm willing to stretch it out. See, here's what God wants to teach us. God wants to work through us to accomplish his will and his purpose. That's the best part of being repurposed. Not my past story. Not the picture of my hurt. But that the God of the universe, just like Moses, would look at you and I and say... I have big plans for you. And some of us were like 45, 50, and we're like, you know, I'm kind of done. Like, my season of adventure's over. Listen, you know what God gave Moses? He gave him the adventure of a lifetime. Because 10 different times, every time he stretched out his hand, God did miraculous things. I think God wants to use us that way. In fact, I, I want to say this. I believe God wants to use you that way. I want you to look at chapter 14, verse 21. Let's see this last moment. It says, Then the Lord stretched out, or then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land, and the waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry land with a wall uh, on the right and a wall on their left. And look what it says. At the very end of that chapter, this is the very last word that's said about Moses stretching out his hand. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord, displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him. And in Moses, his servant. You know what I find interesting about this? When Moses realized what was in his hand and he was willing to stretch it out to God, look what God did. God stretched out his mighty hand. God's waiting to do amazing things in your life. Are you willing? Hey, let's pray together. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Southcrest Church. You can connect with us on our app today. There you can watch, listen, or even give to this ministry. If you have any questions or want to share your story with us, you can send us an email at hello at southcrest.tv. We'll see you next time.